Hey, Bankless Nation. It is the first week of October. It's Friday morning. Do you know what that means, David? I think I do. It is the Friday morning Bankless weekly roll-up, recapping the whole week of crypto inside of hopefully an hour and a half. Maybe we can get it down to an hour and 15 minutes. Ryan just backed up because he knows we can't. Uh, but we'll do our best. I have faith in us. There's so much to talk about this week, though, David. We're going to talk about some of the main events of the week. But firstly, man, how are you doing? You doing okay? Doing good. Doing pretty good. I'm like that. I'm I'm like that crypto punk in your background. At first, you know, it's like pretty big, and I'm like, do I stare at David's face or do I stare at the crypto punk? And I've it's, gotten it's used to both you being there. It's the same face. It's the same. It's the same person, really, same right? Person. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just the metaversal representation of David Hoffman. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. wait until like uh, he he starts speaking. Does he talk to you at nights, David? <laughs> hey, when uh, Zoom can get the uh, the filters to, and then we can just upload our own faces, then yeah, they'll, you'll talk to the CryptoPunk. Oh, um, that's perfect. Still waiting for you to get your turtle back on your wall, but for some reason yeah. you haven't done that yet. I really should. You know, I just haven't had time. But uh, you know, turtles <laughs> or are motivation. Slow. That's what they do. <laughs> Don't say that, okay? No sheller. All right. Well, all right. I'll stop with the insults. Let's keep going. <laughs> Main events of the week, guys. Uh, TikTok is coming to Ethereum by way of NFTs. That's huge. Also, banks are coming to DeFi now. There was a post from Society General on the Maker DAO governance forms where they want to inject 20 million collateral into Maker. Facebook was down this week as well, but not Web3. Web3 cannot go down. David, we've got two other things. What else is hot this week? Yeah, this is the week where a lot of the Ethereum community uh, figured out how to pitch this whole modular blockchain thing, which is basically roll-ups, but really put it in a way that's really distillable and understandable in my mind, uh, that is in stark contrast with monolithic blockchains. Whereas some blockchains try to do everything all at once, uh, the modular approach separates out the consensus layer, such as proof of stake and all the nodes talking to each other, and the execution layer, which are roll-ups. And so that is a big theme going around in the Ethereum community this week that we are going to talk about. And also, the merge. The, there's, the merge is, is happening. We have the first ever hard fork coming for the beacon chain. So you got to update your nodes. And this is the hard fork that is going to enable the merge to happen. So the merge is coming. Got some updates around that as well. There's five things for you. You're going to have to wait to the news section before we give those to you. But that's that's a reason to tune in. Of course, tune into the end. You get the meme of the week. And if you're on YouTube, there's the two moment this week. of Zen. There's two this there's week. Two, the memes, plural, memes of the week. Of yep. the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, a couple of announcements from the Bankless community, Bankless Nation. The first is, have you RSVP'd for the Bankless DAO Season 2 launch? That is coming up. I believe that's 11 Eastern on Friday. So if you're listening to this Friday morning, you got a couple hours to go check that out. That's going to be live on Twitter spaces. Season twos are always better than season ones. And season one was awesome for the Bankless DAO. I think what they're going to do is recap a whole bunch of the things that happened in season one, talk about planning for season two. David, my favorite part about this meeting is like, I have no idea what's in store. Like this Bankless DAO thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I are kind of opening it up, but the the community has really taken charge of this and what a community it is. So if you want to understand what's happening in the Bankless DAO, tune into this uh, quarterly meeting where they unveil season two. There will be a link in the show notes to that, or just check out Bankless DAO on Twitter. I'm sure you can see it there. Also, David, got to talk about our sponsor and friends at Zerion. And to do that, I'm going to open up this little portfolio, this little (laughs) NFT portfolio. 
I'm going to take a look at these uh, Fidenza rocks. No, don't look at the Fidenza rocks. I was literally <laughs> opening up my my uh, ledger and OpenSea today to try and send these Fidenza rocks to the burner address. You're ashamed of them. You're ashamed of your NFTs, sir. Yeah, I, I thought I thought that like, oh, Fidenzas, rocks? <laughs> like, what happens when you combine Fidenza rocks? People Magic. are just going to buy those. If they've bought rocks, they'll buy Fidenza rocks. And it turns out it's a, a scam. I think it's a scam. Uh, well, I don't really know. Anyways, I bought a bunch of Fidenza rocks. I want to send them to the burner address, the 0x000 address. Cost me $50 per rock to do it. And I bought like <laughs> eight of them. <laughs> Anyways, hey. open, uh, excuse me, Zerion with our NFT Explorer can uh, show you all of my mistakes that I bought with, with NFTs and, and also the wins as well. Um, there's my 3D pudgy penguin, uh, which I actually do like. Um, and somebody well, sent me, I, I know what your favorite is. What's your second favorite NFT in the uh, Zerion here? Zerion, uh, it's wow. gotta be one of my, ooh, one, of those, one of those flowers, the flowers this as one? a whole are pretty cool. No, nah, it's gotta be, it's gotta be that black and white one. Um, not the oh, this one. No, no. The other black and white one, the, oh, this the one. white, white on black. black yeah, that, okay. that's, that's one of my favorites as well, but also the Pudgy penguins, man. Cause they're this, the goddamn cutest all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> All the way, wait, okay, it's not the 3D one. Yeah, the 3D Pudgy one Pudgy. is uh, Just, an, artist, an artist rendition of uh, Pudgy, Pudgy Penguin 5071. Cowboy uh, so, hat. Yeah, so we got Farmer Penguin, and then we also got uh, Socialite Penguin uh, well, as well. You, you know what? The next thing we need to do, so you could view all of this in Zeron, of course. Uh, Zeron has like a fantastic NFT viewer now. They're adding more in the future. You have the ability to like exchange NFTs as well. Um, also, you could put them on your Apple Watch face. Like, check this out. I don't have, my wife has an Apple watch. I don't have an Apple watch or I would be doing this with my turtle right now, David, because I'm not shellless like you, uh, but <laughs> yeah, you don't, these are all ifs. <laughs> what could you do with your turtle? If you actually cared about it someday, sir, I'll surprise you on a roll up someday. <laughs> anyway, here's what you can do with Zerion is in a few simple taps. You can add that to your Apple watch face and flex in real life with your NFT. Super cool stuff they are adding there. You can check that out, zerion.io slash bankless and find out more about that. But guys, the first thing we get to on every weekly roll-up is markets. Let's start with that. We got to start with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is still the top dog. So what's Bitcoin doing this week? Yeah, started the week at $43,000, which was also the low for the week. Hit a high earlier, I think yesterday, at $55,000. We are currently clocking in at $54,000 for Bitcoin. So overall, up 30% on the week. Nice that's drop. a hot week for Bitcoin. Hot we haven't seen Bitcoin. that kind of jump in a while. Like 55K, that's, uh, that's, that's no not, slouch. Yeah. Good yeah. job, Bitcoin. Yeah, back over $1 trillion market cap. So uh, Bitcoiners excited about that. I'm excited about that. That's fantastic. I think it's great for the crypto market in general. What's ETH been doing this week too? Yeah. Oh. That's, <laughs> I can't that's show ETH. you. ETH Let me started the week ETH. at $3,000, which like Bitcoin was also the low for the week. Hit a high of $3,620. And we are currently clocking in at $3,605 overall, up 25% on the week. Also a good week. For ETH. Okay. Bitcoin to all time high first or ETH to all time high first? What's your bet? I mean, oh gosh. I would, if ETH hit all time high first, I would be so happy. Okay. Bitcoin to 100K or ETH to 10K? Which happens first? Oh. And that's only a two, that's less than a 2X for Bitcoin. And that's uh, almost a 3X for ETH. Uh, so, yeah. like, you gotta, you gotta go with common sense and say Bitcoin to 100K first. I, I'm gonna take Ether just, just because. 
Do we do we want to turn this into a bet bet or or you're Shall I bet you a turtle, it? sir? <laughs> I like actual value, sir. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, shell minimalism will not survive, <laughs> sir. All right, let's get to the next one. ETH and Bitcoin, the ratio. How are we checking out on the ratio? We were down looks like earlier in the week. Let me scroll to the monthly here. Give you a, give you a uh, a look at that ratio is down now it's back up a little bit but still not close to I guess the three month uh, high yeah I think the market is pricing in Bitcoin at 100k before ETH at 10k so uh, I mean historically Bitcoin always goes first the the crypto markets generally like wait for Bitcoin to do things to so Bitcoin can signal the all clear that's why I really really want Ether to hit all time highs first because that for once would actually uh, reverse that trend. Um, but it looks like that has not that trend has not been reversed yet. So we are currently clocking in at 0. 0.0667 ETH per BTC. Where last you know week. the other thing, David, I think they're pricing in is Bitcoin ETF. Everyone's mm. been talking about October. Yeah. Okay, Van Eck said to the SEC, "Hey, we've got two fantastic Bitcoin ETFs in. There should be no problems with this. Right. Like it's I don't know, the fifth time they've submitted these right. ETFs to the SEC." These are the golden ones. We hope you will approve both, right? And we've been waiting for that uh, olive branch for Mr. Gary Gensler to come to crypto. I still think that's coming. And a lot of people think it's going to happen this year. Uh, maybe that's why Bitcoin is, is making a run. Oh, so there, there was also that report. I can't remember who, but Coinmetrics was partnered with it about how um, onshore futures markets are actually leading the spot markets, uh, which tells the SEC that price discovery for Bitcoin is happening on U.S. regulated exchanges, which was basically the big reason why the um, uh, why the stated the ETF, reason the stated reason as to why the ETF was not approved, uh, and so they the. I th I think uh, I can't remember who helped with the report, but overall they proved that uh, Bitcoin price discovery happens on U.S. regulated futures exchanges like the CME. Yeah, there should be no more reasons. If you say no now, you're saying it for different reasons than the previously stated reasons. Okay, let's talk about uh, the total locked value in DeFi. We're up into the 90s. That's 90 billion, 92 billion as of the time of recording. Still haven't hit 100 billion, but look, man. Dude, we are within weeks, striking distance. One, one good week away of price action. Or overall, just more a time day. because I bet you one if you day hit away, that, you never know. Yeah, for, yeah, one day it could be a day. I bet you if you, if you hit that ETH uh, link, so it's actually ETH deposit into DeFi, which does a good job of separating away um, price movements from value locked, right? So if if we just denominate in ETH, we don't get the ETH price volatility to actually tell us how much value is locked in DeFi. And you can also see that ETH locked in DeFi is about to break an all time high if the trend continues. So we actually don't need ETH to go up in price to break that ten. Uh, was it 10 billion? Yeah, no, 100 billion locked in. 100 DeFi. billion, yeah. We just need more time and also prices to not go down. Cue up your tweets, guys. Get, get ready. We celebrate schedule 100 it. Schedule billion. Schedule for Tuesday. Just take the chance. <laughs> yeah, just do it. And you'll forget about it and you'll tweet it out and people will be like, what? WTF, David? What? It's not 100 billion. <laughs> All right. Uh, DPI, this is the DeFi Pulse Index, a great measure of uh, DeFi tokens on Ethereum. So how are we looking on the week? Yeah, start of the week at $300 per DPI, which was also the low, hit a high of $360 earlier in the week, fell down a little bit to where we are currently at $334. So overall up 9.5% on the week. Here's the status chart in crypto, David. You oh ready God. for it? Oh, brutal. DPI to ETH ratio, we are down to 0 0.093 at this point in time. Number. And it's, you know, what was it's my creeping call? down. 0.13. Yeah. 
Uh, it's history. Who it knows? History. We'll never know what your original call was, yeah. right? I think it was point zero eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe. New call. New call. <laughs> We're going down. This means that it is not DeFi season. It is more ETH season than it is DeFi season when we're down on the ratio like this. Uh, only matter of time, though. It's going to reverse one day. It's just it's not right like, now. I will blame NFTs for this because like, one of the reasons, in my opinion, why this chart is the way that it is, why DeFi tokens just can't catch a bid is because all the attention is on NFTs. Right? Yeah. Like DeFi tokens are boring. They're now they're now like the boomer side of, of crypto where NFTs so are like boring. the cool, cool Zoomer <laughs> things. It's so funny because um, both of the, you know, NFTs and DeFi, good for each other, best friends, like, you know, they should be married. They're like, they're going to do well for each other long-term, but definitely the narrative attention is on NFTs. Now I would also say alternative layer ones, maybe like alternative layer ones, DeFi things, you know? Uh, so that's garnered some attention too, but let's check this out. This is this is uh, Ethereum strikes back, I think, when you see layer two beat, which is a measure of total locked value in uh, layer twos and up 25% on the week, 26%. Is that what that is? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Very this is, cool. This is, it's nice to see because with that big, big spike that you see uh, about three weeks ago, that was Arbitrum launching. And then also yeah. that whole Nyan cat coin also sucking yeah, in a yeah, ton yeah. of TVL. That's gone now. Uh, and so we're kind of, all, we're almost back up to the all-time high of like 0.36 billion in, in layer twos. Um, without the whole meme coin sucking in a bunch of money, right? Uh, yeah. so much more sustainable. Layer 2B added this, which I absolutely love, which uh, kind of shows the risks of these various layer twos, at least at the state that they're in now. So some of them are upgradable. Some of them are still kind of in like a beta type phase. Uh, and you can view that on layer 2B as well, which uh, I absolutely love. But looking primed, man. This is going to be the... It looks so good. It looks so good. Yeah, this is going to be the chart. This is like the new total locked value. This isn't like um, the new DeFi pulse type measure, which is like how much is locked in layer two. And this is going to go up and to the right, the same way total locked value in DeFi did. That's, uh, that's I think, both of our predictions. I'll say that for you too, David, because I know you agree. Um, EIP-1559, burning ETH every day. We're burning more ETH. I thought this was super cool though. There's a report that Coinbase put out in their blog. That's a two date Coinbase, because obviously they have to settle transactions on Ethereum as well. They just do it in big batches uh, and they pay for it and they charge users too. If you ever withdraw from Coinbase, you know, it might be like a $5 uh, gas fee or something for your token, whatever. Anyway, they have burned over 15,000 ETH to date. Thank you very much, Coinbase. We yeah, appreciate thank you for your contribution. <laughs> Love you guys. Very good. Uh, EIP 1559, I said, turns transaction fees into economic security. I still don't think people are bullish enough on EIP 1559. David, okay. it happened in August, and now it's just like a, a slow burn. It's a slow burn, right? And it continues to burn every day. Um, Coinbase also said, you know, we're not just doing this to burn the ETH. We're also saving 9% on gas fees because of EIP 1559 versus the legacy transactions. Uh, no sacrifice in confirmation time. So it wasn't any slower to confirm to Ethereum. Uh, for all, and they're burning 250 ETH per day. Every exchange is doing this. Centralized exchanges, they're all contributing to the economic security of Ethereum. Used to call these, like some of these centralized exchanges, like... Um, I guess like parasitic, right? Because they were using Ethereum security without actually like paying for it. Right. No longer, they're paying for it. They're paying their taxes too, just like every other citizen of Ethereum. Very cool to see.
There's also a, a nice little history lesson in this. The whole saving 9% on gas fees using EIP 1559. Uh, he, 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 let's back up all the way to, I think, Eric Connor's uh, post where he actually introduced EIP 1559 and talked about how um, the whole auction, uh, block space auction, um, uh, model, which is the pre EIP 1559 model as a lot of cognitive overhead to users transacting, they actually have to guess the right GUI number. And they would just like slap in a GUI number that would like be just like probably <laughs> way too high. Yeah. yeah. And, and the overall like ended up just because of the inefficiencies of the auction model, people would end up ultimately pay more than they actually needed to. And so the, the, a narrative that arose around the IP 1559 was that it would help just like reduce gas fees. Uh, and then that narrative caught on a little bit too much. And then there was some resistance thrown on like four or five months ago. It was like, hey, EIP 1559 is not going to do anything to gas fees because all it does is just change how the fees are collected. It doesn't actually lower the gas fees. And then the Ethereum community had to back up. It's like, whoa, 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 EIP 1559 doesn't do anything for gas fees like directly. And so they, the Ethereum community had to walk back. It's like, hey, EIP 1559 not going to fix gas fees, right? And, yeah. and remember, EIP 1559 was actually introduced when uh, gray prices were like one, uh, and yeah. so like gas fees weren't an issue like they are now. Then, yeah. But now on the other side of things, now that EIP 1559 is here, we actually can see that they it, it is reducing gas fees by reducing the need to uh, like have informed estimations about what the fees need to be paid. Uh, and instead, you can just play the number and like reducing that cognitive load for Coinbase has reduced gas fees by 9%, which is not insignificant. Yeah. Uh, another case of the truth being somewhat in the middle, right? It, uh, you know, it did end up to reduce gas fees, just not like eliminate them. I right. think people wanted like zero gas fees right. on Ethereum. That was, never going, that was never the promise. <laughs> But uh, you know the promise was some reduction. We're, we're, we are seeing that. Um, this is cool. This is not reducing. This is only increasing up and to the right. The past 12 months, Ethereum settled 6.2 trillion with a T in transactions. That's the value of all ETH transactions. That's the value of all stablecoin transactions. That does not include other ERC-20s, as far as I know. That's just stablecoins and Ether the asset. Take a look at this chart, David. From wow. 1.2 trillion in 2020 to 6.2 trillion year to date, year's not even over, in 2021. Right. And that's all settled on Ethereum, right? right? Like, how is the world not talking about this? This has gotta be like, it's bigger than Bitcoin now, include oh, all those stable lot. coins. The largest settlement layer in the world. It's open source. It's permissionless. It wasn't created by a large corporation. It's created by a decentralized community. And um, people are still sleeping on this. I don't get it, man. And this is just currency transfers. This is just Ether and stable coins. There's so much other value that's also settled on Ethereum. NFTs being a big one. Also DeFi tokens. Uh, so this is actually just a fraction of Not the included. total amount. Just a fraction. And let me remind you what that means, right? It's like, how hard is it for me to, you live in Switzerland, I live in the US, I want to get you some money, right? My God, I have to go to, like in the US, I have to go to a bank account in person, present my ID, talk to a bank teller who asks me where I got my money, where's it going, what's the purpose? I fill out forms, I fill out documentation, I submit my a pen ID, and paper, by the way. pen and paper, they charge me $50, maybe $70, and they tell me to wait like a day, and then... I mean, I think actually international wires can take like three to five days, right. right? It's okay. The difference is 
With this, I don't have any central intermediaries, right? I click a few buttons. I have my self-sovereign private key. Don't even have to get up off of your chair. Yeah. And this is any amount, any amount in the world, by the way. Like, that's what we're talking about here. Better better settlement network. All right. Uh, Let's go on the next. Zapper. Zapper is, of course, a great way to see your DeFi portfolio. They've got a lot of ways to kind of zap in and out of protocols. Monthly active users, 640K up only. Up only. Up only. Super impressive. Uh, looks like they were maybe like 20K or so January. I can't see the the units on the chart here, but I like really the, uh, the uh, up 100, 1,000% uh, number. <laughs> they, they clearly just broke it. Like it didn't, it didn't, the number metric wasn't able to go high enough to illustrate greater, how it just says fast greater than, Zapper is growing. Yeah, greater than 1,000%. I <laughs> can't tell you. You broke our computers. All right, guys, you know, it is the end of the quarter. It's the end of the, the mm-hmm. third quarter. So um, I think maybe it's time to reflect and summarize some trends for what happened over the past three months. And CoinMetrics, I feel like, does a great job of this with data. Um, so past three months, what happened last quarter? If I to distill it all down and summarize it, one of the interesting things that happened was the rise of ETH killers and alternative layer ones. I think this chart from Coinbase is sort of a, a great summary. They've got you know kind of two, uh, two lines here. The first is ETH price, it's sorry, Ethereum's gas fee price. It's mean gas fee price. The other is the price of Sol, which has been kind of the darling uh, ETH killer layer one. And you can kind of see the correlation right. as ETH price goes up and we have these large spikes in ETH price and everyone starts complaining. Everyone's angry. Narrative shifts. The ETH is unscalable. Mm-hmm. Like it'll never scale. Uh, we need more cheap block space. Then what happens? Well, alternative layer uh, layer one's Solana price goes up too. And that was definitely a key theme of the year. I'm going to talk about the other twos, but any reflections on this, David? Uh, a, we've seen this before. Uh, same pattern happened in EOS 20, 2017. And like, yeah, the, the whole narrative is that like, uh, <laughs> do I say it? <laughs> sloppy Ethereum, sloppy say what seconds. You it's our show, sir. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, sweet. We're the chain Thanks that captures the Ethereum sloppy seconds. Nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. So that, that, that was the first. Uh, ETH, I guess ETH killer season, alternative layer one season, uh, if you prefer that term. The second was JPEG summer. We thought we were going to get more layer two summer. We didn't. We got JPEG summer. And here's some interesting graphs that Coinmetrics shows. Again, Coinmetrics pulling this directly from the blockchain, which is why I love it, right? All of this is open, transparent. If you have the analytics skills, you can view this data too. But this is ERC721. That is an NFT, the amount of transfers per quarter. And you can see, we're up to like 9 million from almost nothing. Right. Like 9 million units, 9 million NFTs transferred in the last quarter. Whereas the quarter before that was like 2.5 and the quarter before that was 1.5. So big difference this week or this quarter. Huge difference this week. Uh, another NFT, I guess this is OpenSea transaction volume. We just had Devin um, from the CEO of OpenSea on the podcast, we talked about the insane numbers they're throwing out. So JPEG season was the second. And the third is the the coming, the advent and the deployment of EIP-1559, of course, which we were just talking about. You could see two graphics here, uh, two graphs here. Total ETH burnt over 400K at this point in time, which we've been updating you on. This is an interesting chart though. ETH daily issuance. Sometimes 
Ethereum, at least from a proof of work chain perspective, has actually had negative issuance. So actually gone into like the ultrasound territory where it's deflationary rather than inflationary because we're burning more than the network is issuing. So pretty cool to see. Those three things, I think that's the summary for Q3 in my mind. Nice, nice quarter Ethereum. Nice Wrapping it up. Yeah. What's uh, what's in store for Q4, David? you have any big, big bold predictions for us? We're just uh, going to wait Q4. and see. Uh, well, the, I, I think we're going to see even more ultrasoundness in, in Ether. Like the, that, <laughs> okay. definitely a downward trend of daily uh, ETH issuance. Um, Q4, God, do I say it? DeFi tokens to make a comeback? Oh, gosh, no, probably not. Uh, probably more NFTs. <laughs> <laughs> more NFTs. More NFTs. <laughs> Yeah. I, um, I don't know if I have any predictions. My only prediction is I think Thanksgiving is going to be like really happy. I think by, uh, you know, Christmas crypto is going to be doing really well. I think this is going to be an up quarter for, uh, crypto. I, you isn't, know, isn't knows, the holidays always generally a pretty bullish time for crypto. I think the seasonality Q4s are good. I think, yeah, Q4 is a good, a good quarter. I remember a lot of, you know, Thanksgivings and, you know, holidays where, uh, family members are asking me about crypto because we've just had a, like a big run up. Yeah. And they're like, should I buy Cardano? Should I buy Ripple? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, since we're on the subject, this is something that frustrates me uh, about being a crypto person. Uh, uh, sister, have, have a sister, there's some sibling rivalry there. And uh, she gets really frustrated when like I'm talking about crypto all the time. Except the problem is at like family gathering events or just greater people just, like, ask you. Right. They, they ask me, it's like, oh, like, <laughs> so I ask them, like, hey, what do you do for a living? And then they tell me some like, normal job, which like, oh, I work for marketing for some like company. I'm like, okay, great. I already know everything you do. And then, then they asked me what I do. And I'm like, oh, I work in crypto. And then they have a f- infinity questions. And then my sister comes over and like, hears me talking about crypto. And she's like, oh, Dave's talking about crypto again. I'm like, they asked me. It wasn't my fault. They asked me. I'm just existing. Don't get mad. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. But the other thing I mean, for me is like, if I really go on about crypto, I can't shut up. Yeah. So I have to be intentional around it. Like the other thing is I just, just like for your family and friends, the information's out there. Like this is public service right now. Bankless. Go listen to Bankless. This is what we think about crypto. You always direct your family members here if they're really interested in diving in, but they have to be really interested in diving in. Remember, anyway. Tell them to start with episode 55. Episode 55? Is that our uh, welcome, welcome to Bankless, Bankless 2021 edition? Yeah. yeah. Well, the, well, the welcome to Bankless episode that we made after we got good at podcasting, not before. <laughs> Actually, David, go back to episode one. It was pretty decent. I listened to it recently. It's pretty decent. We did okay on that, but 55, guys, okay. is the real answer. Uh, All right. We are going to be back with the releases of the week and get to the news, TikTok, little Nas, everything you need to know about crypto. Uh, But first, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Bankless is proud to be supported by Uniswap. Uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure. Instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans, Uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on Ethereum, which is what Ryan and I call a money robot. No human counterparties or centralized intermediaries, just autonomous code on Ethereum. Input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy. Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants Program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. 
If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. It's almost $3 billion. This mountain of capital is looking for labor. Do you have something of value to contribute to the Uniswap DAO? No matter how big or small your idea is, you can apply for a uni grant at unigrants.org and help steer Uniswap in the direction that you think it should go. That's exactly what we did to get Uniswap to be a sponsor for Bankless, and you can do the same for your project. Thank you, Uniswap, for sponsoring Bankless. The era of proof of stake is upon us. Proof of stake systems like Ethereum, Terra, and Solana allow the industry to move away from the hot, loud, and wasteful proof of work systems and return back to a cottage industry of individual stakers and individual validators. And that is what we need to make this industry stay decentralized. Individuals must play their part in crypto network validation. And that is what Lido is here to do. Lido makes staking accessible to everyone at the click of a button. By delegating your stake to Lido's network of nodes, you can access the yield offered by proof of stake systems and claim your share of the network transaction rewards. Do you have 32 ETH and want to stake it to Ethereum, but running a node sounds intimidating? Or maybe you have less than 32 ETH and you need to pool your ETH with others so you can access staking yields. Lido offers a solution for both. Simply go to lido.fi, choose which assets you want to stake, and deposit them to the Lido validating network. Lido is working to make sure proof of stake stays as decentralized as possible and is committed to decentralizing its own validating network to eventually become a completely permissionless protocol. So if you want to stake your ETH, Terra, or Sol and get liquidity on your stake, go to Lido.fi to get started. All right, guys, we are back with the fresh releases of the week. The first is this. Axie Infinity is launching a decentralized exchange. Dave, that makes a lot of sense, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they are a massive uh, crypto gaming company, a lot of assets being a massive economy. Massive economy, economy right? Yeah. yeah, they're they're uh, the Axie Nation. It's like a kind of a real nation, right? Uh, and now they're launching a decentralized exchange. So that uh, just makes sense to me. What, what's your take? Yeah, they needed this on the Ronin sidechain, right? So if you were an Axie Nation economy participant and you needed to do some exchanging, you would have to go from the Ronin sidechain to the main chain to do stuff on Uniswap. But that is inefficient. So Axie just is releasing their own decks on the Ronin sidechain, which makes sense. Put the market where you live. Nice. I, I bet the sidechain will become a roll-up in the future too. That's a prediction. I know we're going to talk about a bit more about like roll-up uh, maximalism, I guess, yeah, in the future. Yeah. Modular modular blockchains, as we hinted at. But yep. uh, let's wait for that. The next is this. Uh, con uh, context is a new service that makes it easy to see what's happening on Web3. Just went into beta. That's the tweet. What is it? It's like a social feed for <laughs> NFTs, which is super cool. It, like it's uh, pretty basic right now. But what I love about this is you can actually click over to punk holders yep. and you can see all of the punk holders, what they're doing, their what they've done recently. Yeah. Yeah. What they're their shenanigans. They're on chain shenanigans. Yeah. So look at this Pop Wonder, who's a punk holder. He just sold this uh, Alpha Kitari NFT for 0.15 ETH. He did that two minutes ago on OpenSea and scroll down and see a whole bunch of NFT, uh, op uh, sorry, CryptoPunk holders. I don't see David on here. There's a transaction if you try to I sell buy, your Fidenza rocks. I buy only. <laughs> yeah, you, you buy Fidenza rocks only. <laughs> There's a turtle transaction for me somewhere, but we can't see it. Uh, anyway, um, collectors, artists, friends with benefits. The idea of a social feed for NFT holder, this is very much a web two meets web three yep. 
kind of idea and uh, I'm all about it, man. I love this. This reminds me of like big funds or um, just investment firms that will use like satellite imagery to count cars in like Walmart parking lots. That's like a thing that happens in the legacy finance world. And so this is kind of the same thing. It's like, all right, like let's look at all, like what are all the crypto punk people buying? What are all the FWB members? What are they up to? It's just a little bit of just, uh, you know, bird's eye view analytics of what certain communities are up to. Uh, And so it's a way to get some alpha. I just want one that shows me what uh, DC investors buying. I'm like, it should uh, give <laughs> me an alert on my tab? phone. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> Thanks, DC. <laughs> All right. Uh, Lido dashboard. So Lido like Fido. Internet bond dashboard is is kind of the theme. But okay. So Lido, big ETH staking. Uh, they're also a sponsor of the, the podcast. Thank you, Lido. But uh, they have just released a reward history tab where you can kind of see how much reward you are earning on whatever asset you stake. This is ETH, how much you're earning on the ETH you stake, a 4.8% average APR at the moment. This is kind of cool, man. This is what draws traditional finance in the space, right? Because like, yeah, Bitcoin, which is a uh, an asset that hopefully goes up, but it's not a productive asset. It doesn't generate yield. Then you have ETH, which is also a store of value but is also a productive asset. And you can see it right here on, the, on a, on the dashboard. I think, uh, it's pretty neat to see and uh, glad Lido added this. And one hammer that I've, or one drum that I've always been beating is the more and more metrics that we put towards these things make these things more and more legitimate towards the people that don't understand them. Uh, it literally defines and adds color to what the hell is going on in this whole Ethereum thing. Uh, and, and also just good user UX. So nice job Lido. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is pretty cool. Maker, actually, Rune Christensen just issued a post. It was all about clean money, David. We have a podcast episode about this, Bankless listeners, where we go into all of the details. That is coming on on Monday. Uh, we talk about clean money with Rune Christensen. We also talk about his thoughts on, um, actually, Ethereum maximalism. That intrigues you. L1, L1 maximalism. That also Fair. happens to be Ethereum. Yes, uh, fair. Uh, but this is a clean money post that he issued all about turning die into clean money. David, why don't you give us the TLDR of what he's talking about here? Yeah, so uh, we saw Society General, which I, we haven't covered yet in the weekly roll-up, we're about to, um, submit a governance proposal for MakerDAO to accept some of their assets as collateral so they can get a loan. Uh, when we extrapolate this out, uh, MakerDAO can, is now as a, a credit facility, as a lending protocol, uh, can uh, give the ability to use their lending protocol to whom, whomever they choose. Rune is saying we should choose to allow people to use our protocol that are aligned with green climate uh, activities, our green capital. Uh, and so Rune says we should brand die as clean money, right? Um, for example, Bitcoin, heavy proof of work, a lot of uh, non-green funds won't buy Bitcoin because it's dirty. It's uh, like heavy, heavy, heavy energy consumption. DAI can instead take the opposite route and uh, brand itself as if you use DAI, you are actually helping MakerDAO fight climate change by allowing to point their credit facility utility towards companies that are green and promoting green things. Uh, we've seen MakerDAO fund, I think, $20 million to help build out a, a solar farm in New York. Uh, and overall, um, MakerDAO is a tool to express capital. And Rune is saying we should allow MakerDAO to focus its its capital allocation powers towards entities that are building out a green future. 
And then by and large, giving the brand of dye being clean. And so one of the best ways to help change the future is by lowering the difficulty or lowering the barriers to actually helping. And if that means that MakerDAO is making dye, just using and holding and borrowing dye as something that can help contribute towards fighting climate change, then they should totally do that. And uh, that just lowers the barrier of helping fight climate change to just using dye, uh, which is a nice narrative to get behind. Yeah, it's definitely uh, flipping the script on what mainstream thinks of crypto right now. And if you want the full extrapolation of Rune's thoughts on that, and if uh, green crypto intrigues you, if the climate alpha, I, the idea of generating alpha uh, from you know climate uh, and um, investments in green technology intrigues you, then tune into that episode on Monday for sure. Also tune into this. This is a new newsletter Bankless DAO is putting out. It's called State of the DAOs. One of my favorite newsletters they've put out so far because I really think, and I know you believe this too, DAOs are the next big thing. Like. DAOs at some level never left, and they're sort of a, a container for everything else that is happening in crypto. But I don't think they've had their moment yet. You know, DeFi's had its moment, NFTs have had their moment. DAOs will have their moment at some point in time, and a ton of infrastructure is being built out. If you want to keep up to date on the latest, go check out the State of the DAOs newsletter that is put out by Bankless DAO. That's banklessdao.substack.com. You can stay ahead of that. I think there's some alpha in there for you if you uh, get in on what's going on with DAOs early and keep informed on the industry. <laughs> like it's a whole subset of the crypto economy that uh, not a lot of people are paying attention to. Um, David, let's get to raises. There are two this week we wanna highlight. The first is back to Axie Infinity. They just raised 152 million, this time from A16Z. That's a large number. But I mean, they're a large, I guess like they're a large nation now, a large economy now. Uh, A16Z getting in on this action. A16Z is just freaking everywhere. Like there's, they just, they're just buying everything these days. Uh, we're actually going to have Chris Dixon on the podcast. Maybe we'll talk to him a little bit about their their strategy for allocation. But uh, big raise for Axie Infinity. You know, congrats to that team. I don't know if they need the money, but you know, they got the money now. Yeah, that, that is a big question. They they have a massive market cap on their token. Like, how much do they? What what do they need this money for? Um, I mean, I guess strategic partnerships from A16Z. I'd like to know a little bit more of the details behind, like, why why raise when you already have a massive market cap, and also where is that money going for? I think the next time we get um, Jiho and team on the podcast, that would be a good question for them. We'll, I mean, we'll the, find the out. The Axie and uh, vision is extremely ambitious. It's not just like this one singular game. It is literally an entire economy, an entire like online nation. Like they are not the whole Axie nation thing. That's not just like a meme. That is an actual like roadmap. That's an actual manifesto. Yeah, that that actually might be part of the answer to your question, David. Uh, the second is this. Second race is this. Uh, Ramp Network just uh, hit a $300 million valuation in a Series A, so they just raised $30 million. This is kind of like a fiat on-ramp into yep. DeFi. We've uh, known about Ramp for a while. It's pretty cool. Rather than go through a crypto exchange like a Coinbase to on-ramp your fiat into crypto, with a few clicks of the button, you can use Ramp directly onboard into DeFi, into crypto. I think um, has better market presence in Europe right now. Yes, big uh, And big not, not in the US yet, but hopefully this helps them expand into the US as well. Yeah, it's been a while since I took a peek under the hood at Ramp, but if I remember correctly, it's actually closer to a protocol than it is a company. 
That's um, right. Yeah, that's which right. is pretty oh, cool. Yeah. A protocolized on-ramp seems nonsensical, but if they can lock that down as a product, that is no wonder it's $300 million. That's right. I'm recalling that. They have a bit, like, bit of a um, you know, foot in both, both yeah. realms there. Uh, so very cool. Jobs time. Jobs. Get a job. Guys, your weekly reminder, get a job in crypto. I the haven't got a job yet. <laughs> If you got a, a lot of people have, have in the legacy world. It doesn't count. <laughs> that, that, that's what she's. But a lot of people have. To be fair, if you've got a job in crypto, well done. Let's make this positive, David. <laughs> but also, <laughs> if you have it, you people. really should. <laughs> We're, Bankless is going to shame you into jumping into the crypto industry. Uh, it's a little if, bit yeah, off brand for us, but hey, by whatever it takes. You know what? Your job may be great now, but could it be better? It'd be better. Yes, it could. Go to the Bankless job boards and you can check out some of the better jobs that are available for you. General counsel, that's a new, that's for, for legal minds, I suppose, from Smart DeFi. Finance and operations expert required at Smart DeFi as well. They also need a senior backend engineer. Always room for more technical people in crypto. Uh, Merit is looking for a blockchain technical CTO as well. This is more of an interim position. So if you're looking at just a, uh, you know, sign in for six months or so and test the waters. That's a great position for that. Uh, community manager at, uh, <laughs> I always want to say Aragorn. Aragorn. No, Ar Aragorn. Aragorn. Yeah. Is, uh, is required as well. That's on the job board. A blockchain engineer at Highlight, software engineer at Popcorn, community lead at Popcorn. And of course, Tracer Dow still wants a senior front end Web3 developer. If you feel like you have the skills for some of those roles, go check that out, submit your resume and uh, get a job in crypto. What more job. can we say? Okay. News time. Quit your old job. Ready day? Yeah, quit. Today, or, right now. Wait, do you have to quit your old job to start a new job? I guess you do. Yeah, you kind of, yeah, you kind of do. Open, you up, know, open up your, 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 text your boss, email your HR, say, I quit, do it right now. You're probably, here's the thing. You're probably already working in crypto. You're if you're listening not. to Bankless, you're just like working for crypto in all of the time that you're not working for your actual job, mm. right? Like you're, Nights and weekends, you're probably doing something in crypto. So why not make it all the time? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Enough about that. We'll bug you again next week, guys. All right. Um, this it's is big. cool. It's huge. Three yeah. things to talk about this week. The first is this. TikTok is coming to Ethereum and they're doing it via NFTs. David, why don't you take this story here? Yeah, TikTok, everyone's, well, all the Zoomers' favorite social media app, famous for distilling as much like dopamine hits into a short amount of time as possible. Hey, hey don't act like you're too good for TikTok, sir. <laughs> I'm definitely not. Uh, they are now working with Immutable X, the NFT Starkware based uh, ZK rollup, uh, which is focused on NFT specifically. It's like an NFT specific rollup. Uh, and, and TikTok is doing NFT stuff on top of immutable. So that is absolutely massive. Um, that's it's insanely cool. They've also bring on a ton of artists and just people who are going to be participating in the NFT world of in TikTok on immutable, uh, including little Nas, whoever that is, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V Grimes, uh, Elon Musk's ex-girlfriend, um, and, uh, a few other people that I don't know. Also coin artist, coin artist. I do know coin artist. Glad she is part of this as well. Yeah, this is super cool, right? So uh, first was Twitter, and they started with minting NFTs, experimenting. Uh, now they're authenticating NFTs. They're getting into that business. Now it's TikTok, and they are now experimenting with uh, minting NFTs. Next thing you know, and, they're and also be having an auction. They're actually selling NFTs. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah so they're one-upping. The full suite of activities, right? 
one upping to it. And of course they've got like TikTok uh firepower. So um acting like you don't know who little Nas is, David. I know you've listened to Old Town Road, sir. I have not. I have not listened to that song. I know oh, of man. this song. I, I have not listened to the song through all the way through. Okay. Well, I understand why you haven't listened to it all the way through. I, I will say that <laughs> it's uh it's definitely like um gets in your head. But okay, so people like little Nas are debuting in this uh, TikTok NFT collection. So again, another easy way for celebrities mainstream to enter the market, enter crypto, create Ethereum addresses, eventually go bankless by way of NFTs. This is Web 2 meets Web 3. Web 3 is going to eat Web 2. They just don't know it yet. All right, let's talk about this, David. This is kind of another important story of the week. You were hinting at it a couple of times through that throughout this episode. What is happening here? Yeah, Society Generale with like four asterisks in his name or tildes in his name. The third largest bank in France just made a collateral onboarding application to MakerDAO for $20 million backed by Eurobonds. And so banks coming to MakerDAO asking for a loan. They are submitting governance proposals to DeFi applications saying, please accept my collateral. And that's pretty crazy, right? And so um, when we talked to Rune about this, again, podcast comes out on Monday where we talk about this more directly. Um, he said, like, MakerDAO and didn't go out to Society Generale and ask for this. Society Generale, they made their own governance proposal and submitted it to the MakerDAO forums of their own accord. No one goaded them or convinced them to do anything. They saw the value of what MakerDAO could offer them, and they submitted a governance pro- proposal advocating for what they need and what they have to offer MakerDAO. So banks come into DeFi to get financial services without us like yelling at them to do so. So that's pretty cool. It's hilarious. It's not a small bank either. It's the third largest bank in France and coming to DeFi now. I never thought I'd see the day. Well, I knew I'd see the day. I just never thought it would happen so soon. Pretty cool that's happening right now. All right. Bruno follows up his own tweet with uh, a fun little joke saying, turns out it was the future of France all along. (laughs) For those that don't know, the future of finance meme, which is DeFi, has also been co-opted into saying it's also the future of France kind of as a joke. For what reason? Just because it's fun. It sounds similar. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, it sounds similar. It's fun. All right, guys. The the third, I, I think, lead headline for the week is... Facebook was down. Yeah. Facebook was down while. this week. Yeah. yeah. And um, crypto wasn't. Right. Facebook down, crypto wasn't. Why was it down though? Let's talk about this. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> the reason why it was down was because apparently uh, Facebook, it's, it, service, it services itself. It serves its own servers. Uh, and so when things broke, the thing that starts up again, like, you know how, you know how when your internet goes down, you like unplug it and plug it back in. Well, when Facebook is down, you can't access the, the thing where you unplug it and plug it back in. I, I'm not a technical, so I don't know the details of this, but apparently the way that Facebook server architecture is constructed is that like the password that you need to start stay up Facebook again, you can't access it if Facebook is down. Uh, and they so, locked their keys in the car is they, what yeah, they did. They locked their keys in the car. So Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, uh, all the other Facebook services uh, were down for like... I don't know, 12 hours, which is also less time than Solana was down a week ago. I'm just going to throw <laughs> oh, that <dude>. out there. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Facebook was down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, including, it was interesting, like uh, employees couldn't get in the building. Right. right? It, was all t- it was all tied into their security system and employee ID. Right. So right. Sure, it's yeah. like you go to try to get in the building to go fix the server and you, you actually can't get in there. Uh, 
not not a great situation. Well, what do you think this means for um like are there lessons that web3 can learn? I, th I think there's definitely one lesson which is when you centralize everything, um you know, bad bad things can happen. There there was a rumor going around David at the time that um possibly Facebook was actually hacked mm -hmm. and a lot of its internal user data was maybe stolen by a hacker and like published on the dark web. What a nightmare scenario that would be. 1.5 billion Facebook users, all their information, all of their data, you know, is centralized in the Facebook data repositories. And that's now out and open in the real world. I think there's a lesson on, you know, what crypto can do in the uh, self-sovereign identity, decentralized identity world and maybe that's a, a future thing that that crypto tackles and hopes to tackle what other lessons do you think there are for us here yeah i can't remember if i have this in the takes or not but i'll take it i'll put it here just in case is that like more and more lately starting in 2020 things have happened in the world that um are priming society to understand and appreciate some of the things that we are building here in the crypto side of things. So in 2020, we had the money printer go burr. 26% of all outstanding US dollars were printed in 2020. That's a lot, 26%. Um, meanwhile, at the same time, people finally coming around to Bitcoin, coincidentally, right after money printer goes burr. So society, the, the choices we've made as a society to print a bunch of money have woken up people it's like, oh, that's why Bitcoin's valuable. I understand that now. Uh, and now in 2021, we have like quarter of the internet traffic going to dead websites because of centralization of servers and centralization of power. So now I think society might be a little, little bit more primed to understand Web3 protocols as protocols that don't ever go down. They're public utilities that are unstoppable on the internet. And now I think there's going to be a lot more room for aha moments about like, oh, that's why crypto is cool. Like, oh, I get it now. And and I've, I've always had this mental model is like crypto is making itself more and more usable and marching itself closer and closer to society. We're figuring out the problems. We're actually making cool, better, useful things. And we're also figuring out the UX behind those things. So crypto is getting closer to society and society is also getting closer to crypto by all these things that are happening in the world that are now real concrete examples as to broken systems that crypto can fix. So that's my take there. I totally agree. Can I add another one to that, David? Yeah. yeah. Uh, GME earlier this year. Yeah, Remember right. when Robinhood, yep, yep, yep. like Robinhood, um, disallowed their their own traders from from trading gme because they got a co you know phone call got some pressure from uh prime brokerages and so they just disabled it that was like an aha that's why we need DeFi moment so i totally agree with that take and um i it's a shame that it only happens when something bad happens but i guess that's kind of what it takes yeah. to wake people up from the status quo and at least we actually have options right like without defi without ethereum without crypto we like and you, we would have the gme debacle and be like well we don't got any other choice now we have the ability to exit and the ability to exit is very important lifeboat we have a lifeboat yep. Noah's ark a big right? one really big jump one. aboard really big one because the modular <laughs> blockchains but we'll get to that later <laughs> well, before we do let's talk some ethereum stuff um merge is getting close how do we know? What's this tweet from Danny Ryan? Danny Ryan, the coordinator behind the ETH2 efforts, which is no longer called ETH2 um, for reasons, um, tweets out, the Altair mainnet launch at Epoch 74240, which is set for October 27th, 
so there's a, a uh, hard fork, an update for the beacon chain, for the proof of stake chain, which is the first update for the proof of stake chain. So if you are running a, a beacon chain node, you need to update your clients. All the clients have new uh, client updates for you to download. And this is the um, hard fork, the update that prepares us for the merge. So this is the last hurdle we got to get over before we can merge. So more or less what's going to happen is we are going to update this um, update on October 27th. We're going to hard fork the, the beacon chain to prepare for the merge. Then all the clients are going to start talking to each other. They already have. That's what's coming next. Uh, and once they uh, are talking to each other stably for a really, really long time and all the devs feel comfortable, emerge. Here's kind of uh, some some tweets as far as the, the project plan goes. And remember, there's there's multiple clients doing this, right? So this was, I think, a tweet maybe a few months ago. And we see these different phases. No, this was uh, one, yesterday. This was yesterday. Oh, OK, this uh, picture. This, this first picture. one, yeah, yeah this yeah. picture, this image I'm looking at. And we M see M1, uh, M2, these are just milestones. Milestones, yes. Yeah. And I, I actually don't know what's included in these milestones. Yeah, I think they keep that a blank. secret just to, just to, yeah, they just keep Fair it. enough. Yeah. Uh -huh. So that people like us don't like don't speculate. Promises, yeah. Don't tell them like, beacon chain by January 2022. <laughs> anyway, no check marks. Uh, now we got a lot of check marks from each of the clients. So. Check marks, good. <laughs> Green check marks, <laughs> yeah. good. That's the takeaway here. <laughs> there's five, here, here's, here's the bottom line. There's five milestones. I, you know, they probably don't want us to speculate. I'm going to speculate anyway. There's five milestones to complete in getting to merge for all of the clients. And uh, three of them now look completed for almost all of the clients, which means we are like three-fifths of the way there, right? So... Hopefully, fingers crossed, Q1 2022, Q2 early 2022, looking good for the merge. Hopefully. Anthony Cesano says he's bullish on Q1. He's bu bullish on Q1. Okay. Yeah. I could I give you on that. Anthony Cesano, <laughs> core dev of Ethereum, says Q1 2021. <laughs> that was a joke. Bu bu bullish on Q1, hopeful on Q1. I don't know. Maybe, maybe those words are the same sometimes, bullish and hopeful, but uh, we'll see what happens. Um, this is all of the clients, as you said, talking to one another. This is what it looks like in the command line. Yay, consensus. Yeah, and yay developers, yay builders. Thanks for understanding all of this. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Thank you for doing the hard stuff. <laughs> yes, we so we can it. talk about it. <laughs> um, all right, this was a close call this week in Ethereum world. Um, so there was a bug. Rocket Pool was getting ready to launch, which is like sort of the first decentralized ETH staking provider. They've been in the works like forever for a very long time. And the OGs in the space. I was super excited about that. They were supposed to launch a couple days ago, but they didn't. Like 24, 48 hours before they were about to launch, someone found a uh, terrible bug, a security vulnerability that could have led to the theft of Rocket Pool ETH funds. David, why don't you tell us more? Yeah, apparently this same vulnerability was also present in Lido. Uh, and so it was like a two for one discovery of an exploit. Um, the details of the exploit are beyond me, um, but they have now been patched. So no, you can't go and exploit this. Um, uh, but yeah, it turns out turns out code is hard. Delayed Rocket Pool's launch is the thing. I, I think maybe one learning lesson from this, if you are staking even with a pool, it's more risky then if you want the it's more risky than staking on your own. If you want the lowest risk way to stake, you run your own validators. That's the lowest risk way to stake. Uh, pools, you're at a bit more risk. There's a bit more like ease, 
going on, but um, it's there's still some level of risk. And we see that when we uncover security vulnerabilities. David, um, Connects, we talked about this. This is a bridge. Uh, they just released last week um, what they're calling NXTP, which is kind of this multi-bridge bridge, uh, bridge uh, interoperability protocol to move from Arbitrum to, to Optimism back to mainnet, bridge from any of the layer twos. And I guess they've been live for a week and now 16 million in volume has been bridged across their chains, which is pretty cool. The insane thing is that $16 million in volume has come off of $1.6 million of like liquidity, right? So there's $1.6 million worth of stable coins or ETH. Uh, no, it's all stable coins. But that $1.6 million of stable coins has actually transferred $16 million of value. So in the way this works is that like one stable coin will go back and forth between two L2s like 10 times and count for $10. Um, so it's very, very capitally efficient. And so the uh, total depositors who have uh, deposited a total of $16 million earning 30% APY on their stable coins with a 0.05% fee. So this is definitely going to be a very strong and sustainable source of yield that is going to ultimately come to DeFi when these things open up uh, for mainnet. Uh, and you, you're going to see stra- uh, uh, applications like uh, Yearn develop strategies around these things. And so this is going to be one of those things that pumps up stablecoin yields across all of DeFi. Capital efficiency is great news too, David, because you know some of my worries about like uh, payment channels and state channels are that they're not actually like that capital efficient. I mean, that's why they haven't had the uh, the adoption that we all hoped that they would have up to date. And uh, yeah. Just say you agree, you know? I do agree. <laughs> David had to walk away from his computer for a second. <laughs> so. I, don't, I don't even think he was listening. I, had, he does I, I agree was with hearing that. you. I, I was hearing you, yeah. Okay. All right, what's next? Let's talk... Um, Man, uh, this is yes. this is the subject yes, you really go. wanted here to talk go. about. Yeah. This is uh-huh. the reason for the roll up this week. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not going to steal your thunder. But I've read everything that Polly uh, Naya has written. I suggest you do the same. Mm-hmm. I know you have too, David. But give us the TLDR take. I know we're going to do a longer podcast on modular blockchains and the future scalability of Ethereum, how it relates, and why we're so excited about this uh, concept. But uh, give us the TLDR here. Yeah, so we all know the concept of ultrasound money with Ether. This is going to become ultimately the the narrative of ultra scalable Ethereum in the same vein, right? One half one half of the coin is ultrasound money, the other half of the of Ethereum is ultra scalable Ethereum. The way that we get to ultra scalable Ethereum is by this concept called modular blockchains, or simply the delegation of labor, the separation of labor of how blockchains operate into their respective components where they where they are optimized for. So Paul Inaya, who has a great blog, who's uh, one of the probably the most uh, succinct and illustrative, um, most accessible, accessible, like, yeah, illustrators of how this whole rollups plus um, data layers, Ethereum L1 is going to work, the relationships of all these things. Paul Inaya tweets, the first time in 12 years, which he is calling the monolithic blockchain era, the last 12 years of crypto, we had the blockchain trilemma. With ZK proofs, zero knowledge proofs, and data sharding, we have economies of scale that invert the trilemma. The more decentralized you are, the more scale there is, and the cheaper the transactions get. It's a whole new paradigm, Polynaya says. Uh, So I think there's a couple more times in the roll-up that we're going to touch on this, but basically, uh, uh, before I get there, I'll uh, read the second tweet. 
Anaya says, monolithic blockchains and monolithic blockchains are like blockchains that try and do everything at the L1 without any sort of just accessories like rollups, just like cram, cram all the things into one, one base chain. So really quick, what, what that means is Ethereum's current state is a monolithic blockchain right. because it does consensus, yep. data, and also execution on yep. the same chain. And all of the alternative layer ones do that as well. Solana is trying to do all three of those things as well. And that's what he calls a monolithic blockchain. But one -stop Ethereum's shop. future, yes, Ethereum's future is changing with the merge and then the future upgrades that's undergoing. But anyway, continue. All right. So Polynari says monolithic blockchains are crippled by Moore's law and will only grow 64x over the coming de decade. Modular ar architectures will grow by 1 million X at the same time. The only way the blockchain industry attains global scale. Um, and so he finishes off, uh, for example, tw by 2030, 15 million transactions per second with ZK rollups on Ethereum alone. What we are talking about is basically rollups, but it also importantly, the illustration of um, the execution environment is actually like where, when you send a transaction, where that transaction actually gets executed, you can take that off of the L1 and put it on the L2 then you can leave the consensus side of things to just optimize that on the L1. Make the a layer one of Ethereum really, really good at consensus. Put all of the execution environments where you actually send transactions on the L2s, let the L2s bundle them up and then package them in a very, very small data footprint and put them on the L1. And this division of labor allows the ZK rollups, the 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 rollups uh, chains, to optimize for being really, really fast, really, really just good execution environments for doing crypto things. Then it, the nature of a rollups consolidates it and makes uh, and puts it on Ethereum, which has been optimized for consensus. It never ever goes down. It, it's the most up the highest uptime system ever. Uh, and also has high data availability. And basically data avail availability is like food for the rollups, right? You need the data to be available and uh, you need the data to have the uptime of something that has optimized for uptime, right? So ZK rollups, not actually have to optimize for uptime. Like they can actually go down and we actually saw that happen when Arbitrum 1 went down. But importantly, you can always get your money back out via the, the nature of rollups, but you let rollups uh, do the execution and you let the Ethereum L1 do the consensus and the data availability. And this is what allows you to not just like scale linearly, like what he's saying with Moore's law, but scale exponentially. Uh, and this is the future of, of ultra scalable Ethereum. And not only is this um, really good tech, but it's like blockchain agnostic tech. And so we were actually also seeing Tezos go with this roadmap because it's actually a logical conclusion of how blockchains are designed. The bad way to do things is try and just like push everything into one single monolithic blockchain. And the good way to do things is to optimize the different modular components of a blockchain for what they are good at and allow them to be really, really good at those things and allow them to come together as a modular system. That is the, the narrative that's going to be happening over Ethereum over the next few weeks. And the reason that a monolithic blockchain design is bad is because if you want to scale, you have to sacrifice decentralization in order to do it. You have to disallow individuals from running their own nodes. You have to run those nodes in data centers or large institutions, large organizations in order to do it. So you sacrifice security and you sacrifice decentralization. There's so much to unpack here. 
like we're, we'll talk about it a couple more times in the episode. David and I are going to do an entire podcast about this in the future, coming up with an agenda for that. But uh, keep this in mind, ultra scalability. Uh, that is the future for Ethereum. And it happens through this modular blockchain design that Ethereum is kind of silently pivoting to. I don't think anyone's really picked up on this until Polynia started posting. It's been sort of the it's been the design path, but there hasn't really been a term or a narrative or a way to share what's actually going on. Uh, so we're going to be talking about this a lot more. And as you can tell, we're super excited about it. Um, I think some related news, maybe, on the monolithic blockchain side of things. And start the Soul Razor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was an announcement uh, from Soul Razor, which is which is trying to do, uh, I don't know what an IDO is, but I think it's, it's just it's, an ICO. It's an ICO with a different name. Yeah. Okay. What's the D mean? X, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, it's an ICO. Anyway, um, they were going to ICO on the Solana chain, but apparently um, they they decided they needed to push that back. And it was because the Solana team asked them to, because right. if they deployed on Solana's current form, uh, there would be issues. Right, it would. Uh, Solana was worried that it would actually take down their network, as uh, as happened a we've, few weeks back. We've seen the the thing that already happened once. Yeah, the hazards of monolithic chains. Right, so I guess there's two pieces there. It's like um, some of these alternative layer ones aren't nearly as scalable as they let on. It's, it's like a lot more scalable than the Ethereum L1, which isn't actually a great thing to compare yourself to. Because but I don't even think scalable. they're scalable because they sacrifice like security and decentralization. So they're not really scaling. They're just giving you more transactions and making you feel like they're scaling. Um, but but also, like, um, it's kind of weird that they would kind of go to the team or that the Solana you know, organization would ask them, hey, please stop doing your idea, right? It's like, you're gonna, it's supposed to be a permissionless you're network. Gonna, you're going to break our network. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's kind of weird. I guess some people would say, look, uh, Solana is still in alpha and beta. I'm like, but then I'm always like, why it's worth $40 billion then? Hmm. Okay. Yeah, if you that. have to request a team to not do something because you're worried that it's going to break your network, like you kind of deserve to get your network broken. Like, and I, I don't mean to like cause like promote harm, but like the whole thing about crypto is that if it can be broken, it will be broken. That's why you have to make it unbreakable, anti-fragile because like, what if this team is actually malicious and they're actually looking to do harm? Then they can do harm. The whole point is that you can't do evil and you design your blockchain so they can't be broken. So you don't have security by by request. Like, please don't break our stuff. Like, no, just make it unbreakable. This is just one example, guys. I think what David and I are saying is like, we feel like a lot of the, the layer one summer that we've seen is just not sustainable. Yeah. It's built on the wrong foundation and it's built on the wrong architecture. And we've seen this before in crypto. We've seen this play out with ICOs. We've seen this play out with the EOSs of the world in 2017, 2018. And if we're right, if this thesis is correct, it's playing out right now. So careful out there is what we would say. Um, hey, next thing. U.S. Bank of America, the Bank of America, the largest bank maybe in the world, definitely the largest bank in America, I guess. They've just published a report on crypto that mentions DeFi, NFTs, and Ethereum. I think there's some quotes in here. Um, it's difficult to overstate how transformative blockchain technology, digital assets, and the thousands of decentralized apps that have yet been created could potentially be. We expect rapid changes in the current market structure, but 
they are bullish, I suppose, a bank getting bullish on the thing that's going to disrupt them. I guess that's uh, some honesty for you um, a little bit later, but interesting that they're discovering it. I, (laughs) what would you say about that, David? I mean, we know that, uh, according to Kathy Wood, we know that banks are very, very aware of some of their bottom lines getting chewed up by DeFi. So it only makes sense that banks are now publishing reports about like the promise of this industry. The, the first screenshot that's there in the tweet thread, Ryan, if you want to go to that one, um, the little bit up, uh, up, up, there you go. Uh, the head, the first headline is Digital asset sector too large to ignore. Not just Bitcoin, so much more. Nice, nice, nice rhyme. Nice poetry. The other headlines are "Welcome to the uh, Token Economy," and then also followed by "DApps and NFTs: The Most Innovation." So, like th- this seems to be a report that actually is talking about the right things about the blockchain world. Um, unlike what we saw earlier in 2017, 2018. I gotta say, way better reports coming out of 2021 from large institutions and Very banks. So. Uh, they're, st- they're starting to understand what's happening here. Um, the Ethereum NFT market OpenSea has been hit by the toads. The toads, toads are absolutely exploding. Tell me about this phenomenon, David. Look at yeah. these things. Yeah, I... These don't look any more special than my turtles, by the way. Except for the price tags. <laughs> <laughs> what so, are these? So the, the toads are the NFT of the week. So congratulations for toads. The amount of volume behind toads was absolutely insane. Uh, Starry Night Fund through the Three Arrows Capital Fund, I think bought a bunch of toads, including an extremely rare one. DC Investor got into toads this last week. Um, uh, Cosmo de Medici, the apparently who's the Snoop Dogg alter Snoop ego Dogg. of NFTs, also got at some toads. Um, Toads won the NFT game, the hunger, the NFT hunger games this week, uh, and also created OpenSea's best 24 hours in volume ever. So nice job. If you thought NFTs were dead, they're, they're not yet. Cause Toads are here. I don't think toads anyone thinks NFTs are dead anymore. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> All of I, I saw somebody just gone. <laughs> I saw somebody this week, uh, compare them to selling real estate on the moon or selling stars basically not anyone in the NFT space, just okay. a critic of NFTs. Well, we have a meme for that later. (laughs) (laughs) Teasing the meme of the week. Well done, sir. Uh, Bitcoin on Bitcoin. George Soros, legendary investor, knows when to buy generally. His office confirms that they own Bitcoin. I think they own other crypto as well. I think that's big news. George Soros is a big name in the space, uh, similar to some other large investors that have gotten in. Now, I I don't know when he's gotten in, but um, they've confirmed that they're into crypto. So definitely they always confirm these things after they've bought a lot. So you can imagine George Soros now has a lot of crypto, maybe particularly Bitcoin. Maybe, well, he's, why, he, maybe he's why Bitcoin's back over a trillion dollar market cap. I mean, totally could be, right? Uh, all right, let's talk some regulation here. The first is a tax loophole <clears throat> um, is about to close, maybe. Can yeah. we talk about this in detail? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so the way that this uh, tax loophole works is that uh, in uh, the way that it doesn't work in stocks because stock market, the stock market doesn't have this, but like say you buy something, it goes down in price by a lot, but you still want to hold that stock. You're still bullish on it. Just because it went down doesn't mean you've lost your conviction. So what you can do is that you can sell, harvest the tax loss, and in stocks, you have to wait 30 days before you rebuy if you want to uh, compliantly harvest that tax law. In crypto, you can just rebuy it immediately. So you can just go to Uniswap, sell your token, rebuy your token, harvest your tax loss, and get some tax optimizations that way. Apparently, 
that tax law is going to get closed in 2022. Yeah. Or that tax loophole, excuse me. That's a good explanation. And, and by the way, I would say none of this is tax advice, right? So yeah. different, different tax consultants will give you different advice based on that. Some of may which still we are tell not. you of which we are not. Some I've talked to have, you know, have, have said you should wait 30 days anyway, just in case. But now it looks like uh, there's some legislation in the House Ways and Means Committee that is going to explicitly close that loophole. So if you are looking to use that sometime, if you got some losses on maybe some Shiba that you purchased or uh, I don't know, even NFTs, I suppose. Um, And you want to sell those losses and then rebuy the same asset because you're still bullish on it. Now is the year to do that. You only have to the end of the year because this this could close on you if you're looking to do that. None of this is tax advice. I'll say it again. The Biden administration is seeking to regulate stablecoin issuers as banks. I'm not surprised about that, the desire to do that. Not a lot of detail here. I think we'll wait till that plays out. Do you have any comments, David? Yeah. At first glance, I don't hate this. Uh, They are kind of banks anyways. So maybe that's actually gives them more power because of their status as a bank. Um, EBD on the details. Yeah, absolutely. As long as it doesn't apply to like decentralized stable coins, they don't cast too broad a net. Um, also, I, I read that the FD, FDIC, there's some talk of applying FDIC to stable coins as well, right, which yeah. is a nice consumer protection, right? Totally. If your bank goes under, you still get your money back. Uh, it'd be nice if you know stable coins offered that guarantee too. So there are ways to, yeah. there could be smart regulation. This could, be a, could be a W. Don't know about this uh, regulatory body recently, not, not, not but a w. the SEC is investigating Circle, which is the issuer of USDC, of course. They've been investigating them since the summer, since July. We've gotten circles, gotten subpoenas. Now the, the word is just getting out about this right now. You, you got to imagine it's the same kind of thing. Um, some sort of implication, investigation on whether USDC is a security or not. What's your take? Yeah, so Gary Gensler, A, a first off, uh, Jeremy Allaire totally saw this coming. Circle at large totally saw saw this coming. They've been marching towards compliance uh, way ahead of the game, starting like four or five months ago. They were working on better transparency, better auditability, because they knew that regulation was coming one way or another. Um, and Gary Gensler has also, uh, he when he talked about stable coins at this one talk, he referred to them as stable value coins, which uh, people speculated was a nod towards stable value funds, which are an SEC regulated uh, financial product. Uh, and so uh, the SEC is probably going after uh, USDC in the same way they were probably going after BlockFi and um, other like lending. Celsius. Yeah. It's, it's saying, saying like th- there's deposits on one side and credits on another, like USDC on another. And the, the SEC probably thinks that it can regulate that. Uh, and so that's probably what's going on. Uh, this could be um something that we get clarity on via the courts. Uh, Coinbase, unfortunately, backed down on taking the SEC to court. Maybe Circle's the one that fights back. I don't know. Um, right now, it's just the SEC doing a probe, which in my mind is like, you know, you know, you know when your cop pulls you over? I've never been pulled over by a cop. Not true. Um, <laughs> but you're, you're not supposed to say, you, they're, they're going to say, um, can I look inside your car? And you always, yeah. everyone knows to say no. But the SEC is like, hey, can we look inside of you and... You're like you're, you're supposed to bend over backwards and take it apparently like why well, it's just a racket dude well i mean that that is one of the special privileges uh of 
the government, right? That's we've armed this Leviathan with weapons and they use these weapons to uh, investigate companies like this. I, I will say, look, USDC is not a security in my mind. Like it's nothing like, you shouldn't have a, like, it sh- it's not like an ETF or something like this, right? Um, but should there be some regulation around it? Like, I want to know that Circle the USDC assets are actually backed by what they say they're, they're backed by, right? And if they're not, right, because, because again, this is not open, transparent finance, right? This is sort of a, a tokenized version of dollars in a bank account at the end of the day. If they're not, then Circle and any issuers of the stablecoin should be responsible for that, right? If there's some shenanigans going on. So like, I don't love what's going on with Tether. We don't like, what, what, what's a Tether made of, David? None of us know. None of us really know, right? Uh, I know exactly what a die is made of. I, I feel like the answer to a lot of this is better, more decentralized stable coins. But while we're dealing with USDC, maybe there's some light touch regulation. I, I just, I, I don't know. The SEC is, is uh, heavy-handed recently, and uh, yeah, we'll see what goes on there. Um, let's talk about a few quick things before we end this section and get to takes. Powell said he doesn't plan to ban crypto, which is convenient because he actually can't ban crypto. Right, I think that would require legislative power. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next one here, David? Yeah, this next one is that um, uh, the BitGo uh, executive, Darren Jordan, says that he gets regular calls from corporates looking to add Bitcoin to their balance sheet. So interest in Bitcoin continues. Good. That's good news. Uh, Utopia Labs is a company that's building some more DAO infrastructure. This is the season of building for DAOs. I think they're going to explode a little bit later, but a ton of infrastructure is being built out to help DAOs measure, uh, to help DAOs manage treasury, payroll, salaries, all sorts of things. And it's great to see that happen. David, why don't you take us home with this? Last quick one. Dave White tweets out. I've been, uh, Dave White is a guy in crypto Twitter who works on um, options, options uh, at Paradigm, but has apparently also been working on a new NFT primitive with Andy8052. We've had him on the show a couple of times and Dan Robinson, from Paradigm also had had him on the show. They have released RICKS, R-I-C-K-S, recurringly issued, collectively kept shards. Basically, this is at the intersection of NFT and DeFi, fractionalizing NFTs into tokens, along with a way to reconstitute the NFT once fractionalized. Uh, when you fractionalize NFT into RICKS, the protocol mints and sells new RICKS every day, and all proceeds go to RICKS. Rick's Staker. So if you're interested in the intersection of NFTs and DeFi, you can go to this and read about its construction. I just like the name, man. Rick's. It's great. Rick and Morty. All right. I'm glad, Guys, I'm glad your be... brain goes there as well. Because so it's, did mine. Exactly. I was, I was just waiting for the, the meme, but there, there's no meme here. Paradigm Why is there not a pickle? There is a pickle. <laughs> there sure. needs to be a pickle, Rick. All right, guys, we will be back with the takes of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. The Aave protocol is a decentralized liquidity protocol on Ethereum, which allows users to supply and borrow certain crypto assets. Aave version 2 has a ton of cool features that makes using the Aave protocol even more powerful. With Aave, you can leverage the full power of DeFi money Legos, yield, and composability all in one application. On Aave, there are a ton of assets that you can supply to the protocol in order to gain yield. And all of those same assets can also be borrowed from the protocol if you have supplied collateral. Here you can see me borrowing 200 USDC against my portfolio of a number of different DeFi tokens in ETH. 
I'll choose a variable interest rate because it's a lower rate than the stable interest rate option. But I could choose the stable interest rate option if I wanted to lock in that interest rate in permanently. V2 also features the ability for users to swap collateral without having to withdraw their assets, trade them on Uniswap, and then deposit them back into Aave. With Aave, users can do this in one seamless transaction, saving you time and gas costs. Check out the power of Aave at Aave.com. That's A-A-V-E.com. Gemini is the world's most trusted cryptocurrency exchange. I've been a customer of Gemini since I first got into crypto in 2017, and it's been my main exchange of choice to make my crypto buys and sells. Gemini is available in all 50 states and in over 50 countries worldwide. And on Gemini, there are markets for over 30 various different crypto assets, including many of the hot DeFi tokens. And it's one of the few exchanges that has liquid die markets. Gemini just launched their earn program where you can earn up to 7.4% interest on 26 various crypto assets. If you're tired of paying fees in DeFi or you don't want to worry about DeFi exploits, but you still want to earn interest on your crypto assets, Gemini Earn is the product for you. Another product I'm stoked to get my hands on is the Gemini Crypto Back Credit Card, which gives you 3% cash back on all of your purchases, but paid to you in your preferred crypto asset. When I get my Gemini credit card, I'm going to make sure that I get my cash back in ETH. So whenever I buy something, I get a little bit of ETH bonus back to me at the same time. You can open up a free account in under three minutes at gemini.com slash go bankless. And if you trade more than $100 within the first 30 days after sign up, you'll be gifted a free $15 Bitcoin bonus. Check them out at gemini.com slash go bankless. All right, guys, we are back with the takes of the week. We're going to start with this take. I think it's a hot one. I agree with it. Mm. This is Anthony Sassano, my five to 10 year crypto investment thesis in quotes. And he has some categories here. ETH category in and of itself, DeFi, layer twos and scaling, privacy-focused tech, cross-layer two chain bridges, NFT infrastructure, and some really hot NFTs, crypto gaming. I know five to 10 years is, in, is forever in crypto, but I'm confident that Ethereum is going to eat the world. This looks a lot like my investment thesis as well. And I think the bankless investment thesis, where you got some crypto monies, you got the new banking layer, which is DeFi, You've got the scalability that's going to power all of that. You've got privacy, which hasn't even been dealt with yet and needs to be in crypto and will be. Then you've got cross-chain bridges that connects liquidity throughout this entire organic system. NFTs, which are a category in and of themselves, and crypto gaming, which is absolutely going to be massive. I think there are some other bullet points that we could add as these, as these uh, areas emerge over the years, but like this kind of sums it up for me. What's your take? Yeah, I, I looked at this tweet and just sat and tried to think of something that Anthony missed. And I don't I don't think he missed anything. I, if you scroll down, I think- Meme coins, that. sir. Meme coins. How about meme coins? Do you want to own any memes? There, there was my reaction to that. It's like, oh, that's, oh, all that's about all Porky of it. Pig? Yeah. Um, I think it is worth noting that of all the things that Anthony listed, uh, ETH is the only one that's actually an asset. Everything else is a category. So that's worth noting. Also, Ryan, if you had to pick like which one of these is the biggest category other than ETH, uh, what, do you th what do you think it is? Ooh, now I, that's... I, I have my answer. Now that's a good question. Um, well, DeFi is going to be the entire banking layer. NFTs are absolutely huge. That's the cultural layer. Crypto gaming is kind of an intersection of both. Uh, all the rest of this is like, scalability infrastructure. I think privacy-focused tech, as bullish as I am, it's going to be a bit more niche than these. Um, 
ETH is going to be the biggest by market cap, is what I would say. But some of these categories will be absolutely colossal. I, I just can't. I, I can't give you an answer right now, David. I, I don't know. I What's think, your answer? Uh, my my answer is crypto gaming, mainly because I think at the same time we're going to see a redefinition of what gaming actually is. Gaming is going to move closer towards work. Uh, less, it's not going to be just gaming. It's also going to be in-game economies. And so I think. As a euphemism, you can almost say the metaverse as crypto is what crypto gaming That's is. That's a good stake, sir. And I think yeah. that that is by going to be the biggest category in here by far. Yes, I think if you if you call it crypto gaming, mm-hmm. that uh, minimizes how large yes. it's actually going to be and how impactful, right? This isn't just like going to be Fortnite plus tokens. It's not just that. It's that's yeah. like the beginning. Metaverse, stages. crypto how gaming is works. huge, right? Yeah, but gaming is the start of the metaverse, I think. So uh, it's a, it's good to categorize it as that for now. Okay, let's talk about this. Your tweet, say yeah. it. This was, a, this, was, this was a fun take. Uh, very very short. Joe Lalu's from Bison Trails. He tweets out after hours is for NFTs, as in NFTs after dark. Victor Bunin follows up saying, during hours is for DeFi. So daylight <laughs> is for DeFi and nighttime is for yeah. NFTs. I thought it was a fun take. Yeah, that's good. You know, Chris Dixon says, uh, watch what people do on nights and the weekends. The smartest people do on nights and the weekends, right? Watch their hobbies. I think this is another example of that. By the way, Dixon on the podcast coming sometime in October uh, it's going to be exciting. Talk, talk more to him. We'll run this tweet by him. David, this is your tweet too. I'm going to say it. You tell me what it means. Ethereum is the best single source of truth we've ever come up with. What's that mean, David? Yeah. So humanity loves objectivity and truth because it allows us to coordinate around truth. Uh, and Ethereum as a state machine of truth is the best source of single source of truth that we've ever been able to come up with. Um, the whole uh, Moloch and coordination uh, side of crypto, it's uh, this lends itself to that, right? When everyone understands what the truth actually is, we can actually coordinate around that. And as Ethereum, as a generalized Turing complete smart contract platform, it offers us the best single source of truth we've ever come up with. Particularly important when all of our other trust machines, institutions of trust are failing us in this moment to build up new institutions of trust. So the world doesn't descend into chaos. Uh, Let's talk about this from Mariano. The Howey test, 1946, that's when it came out, is closer to the invention of the stapler, 1877, then of Ethereum mainnet, 2015. (laughs) Hey, I'm just impressed that the stapler was made in the 1800s. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, pretty innovative. I wonder, I I hope the stapler maker got a patent on that, made some money. But um, what he's saying is like, why are we bounded by these laws written pre-internet, pre-digital age, pre-computer, right? Uh, When we're entering this this whole new paradigm, right? The, we need to create new laws. We need need to create new regulations. Update the laws. Update the laws. There you go. You said it better. All right. Um, this is cool from Aaron Wright. This is one way to think about emerging blockchain blockchain trends. What are we looking at here, David? Yeah, we're looking at uh, kind of a funky Venn diagram. We have two Venn diagrams in the middle. One is DeFi, one is NFTs, uh, and they also overlap. But another circle around all of that that completely encompasses those two Venn diagrams is a bigger Venn diagram that says DAOs. Um, so Aaron is implying that DeFi apps are DAOs, 
NFT apps like punks or like Pudgy Penguins or Cool Cats are also DAOs. And then there's also things that aren't DeFi or NFTs that are also DAOs. Uh, so it's kind of a nice way to visualize how gargantuan DAOs are as a concept. Uh, and then I also uh, follow up this tweet with my own tweet again as well, saying Ethereum and Bitcoin actually fit inside of the DAO category. So like Bitcoin and Ethereum are actual DAOs. They're actually one of the only true DAOs out there. Um, and so kind of a, a nice visualization. This is definitely how the economy is going to be organized in the future and reorganized as we move to that. All right, David, here's another modular blockchain take because it's modular blockchain roll up today. What's this take? Yeah, this is coming out of a chain link god who I actually had the pleasure of meeting in New York a couple of weeks ago. Optimistic. Wait, he's not a frog? He's Real person? A, he's not a frog. Yeah. All right. Say no more. Optimistic rollups, ZK rollups, Validium's volitions means a shift from a monolithic blockchain model to segregating security data availability, and execution into different layers. The key is to not just mitigating the blockchain trilemma, but inverting it, aka solving it. Um, so yeah, just hammering the point home. The era of modular blockchains are upon us, and that is not, it's how we go from just like a little bit more scale to like almost infinitely more scale. Modular, when you modular say, blockchains. When you say upon us, it's like just starting, right? right. That's why we haven't felt its effect yet, right? We still need a few other key technologies to- DYDX users have felt it. DYDX users have felt it. We'll get to that soon too. Um, but let's look at this. This looks like a, uh, a galaxy, yep. spiral, nice spiral galaxy image. I'll read out the tweet. In Q1 2021, ETH settled 1.5 trillion in transactions, more than all other blockchains combined. In 2022, ZK rollups, and a sharded data structure could increase ETH's max throughput from 45 transactions per second to 100,000 transactions per second, setting the stage for ETH to become the universal store of value. This is a, a spiral galaxy with ETH in the center, where it's sort of the, the black hole would be, all the you know, star clusters you know, clustered in the center. And it's all of the various M1 that is like Circulating currency, 35 trillion, M2, currency and savings, 60 trillion, stocks, bonds, real estate, derivatives, all swirling around the black hole, the, the, the gravity vortex, the singularity that is Ethereum. And I think that's a good analogy. Any other takes? Yeah, this also lends itself towards the modular blockchain narrative because all of these different use cases need different constructions. And when you have a single monolithic blockchain, you force every use case to just operate under the same structure, the same monolithic structure. But these, the Validiums, Volitions, ZK rollups, Optimistic rollups, they offer different components that you can piece together as you see fit that is optimized for your specific use case. Uh, and so having this modularity allows Ethereum and all of its layer twos to be constructed in a way that is optimized for that specific use case. And one thing that Ethereum does very, very well is it uh, uh, maximizes choice for the developers and for the users. And when choice is maximized, innovation explodes. Guys, if you're having trouble with some of the terminology like you know ZK, rollups, zero knowledge, or validiums or volitions, never fear, just keep tuning into Bankless. We will have some episodes for you that dive into these topics in detail. Um, but David, end of, end of the show, almost end of the show. I gotta ask you the question we always talk about, which is what are you excited about this week. All right, I'm excited about modular blockchains. <laughs> I, I think modular blockchains are the future. Uh, that is how we solve 
basically everything. When crypto says like it wants to take over or Ethereum people say like we're gonna tokenize everything, well, we need the appropriate infrastructure to do that. Uh, and like I just said, when you have modularity, you get to optimize for that specific module and what it is good for. So let's put the, the consensus module in the consensus corner and optimize for that. Let's put the execution in the execution corner and optimize for that and give all the all options available to everyone how they want to construct their layer two uh, and so we are all we've been hammering this from the beginning of bankless is like eventually we are all going to live on layer twos and these layer twos are going to have different flavors and eventually all of the flavors to do what ethereum needs to do to put the entire universe on ethereum that has always been the goal and a modular blockchain is how you become expressive enough to allow for optionality for everything to eventually become uh, something on Ethereum. That's what I'm excited about. That's cool, man. What are you excited about, Ryan? You know, I'm, I'm in a plus one on that. I'm gonna, oh yeah, you're I'm excited gonna, about modular blockchains? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to riff on that, right? It's like a, a different ways. Like, so uh, I think one of the things uh, we've been able to do is identify things a little bit early, at least some things, right? So like back in 2018, we we're telling everyone that ETH as a monetary asset, as a store of value is undervalued. That's when we come up with ideas like ETH as a triple point asset, right? Staking, you know, EIP 1559, all of these other characteristics that would be built in would turn Ethereum and Ether as an asset into a bond, into a very valuable store of value that um, is likely far more valuable than, than even Bitcoin. So we identified that early uh, and it was underrated at the time. No one believed it at the time. Here's Massively the thing. underrated, yeah. Massively underrated. No one believed it. I believe we're at the point in time where Ethereum's scalability strategy is just as underrated as ETH the asset was back in 2018, 2019, okay? I'm just gonna say it. I think Ethereum has the best scalability strategy in crypto right now and I, nobody knows it yeah, it's, it's driving me yeah. it's driving me crazy okay because like um people are saying oh eth can't scale and that's why x chain or y chain or like that's why we need all of these things and it's like no it hasn't compromised on decentralization security but it is scaling and its scalability strategy is far more robust and uh, far more achievable and actually far more scalable than any of these other solutions. It's just taking the time to do it right and keep things decentralize, uh, decentralized. Polynaya, 15 million transactions per second is a rough estimate by the end of 2030. It's coming. Like there's cryptography magic, like ZK rollup, ZK sync. It's all coming. People just are impatient and they run and they chase the narrative and they run and they chase the next ETH killer. And I think it's going to cost investors uh, some money. But like, if you don't believe Ethereum is scaling today, to your point earlier, David, go try DYDX, right? Like, it has the deepest liquidity. We just had Antonio on Bankless this week. The deepest liquidity in all crypto. This is not just decentralized exchanges, crypto exchanges too for some of their assets. The deepest liquidity. Um, they're doing like $8 billion in daily volume. Eight billion in daily volume, all secured by Ethereum. Don't tell me Ethereum is not scalable. It's scaling now. You just haven't put in the effort to actually like make it scale, and you haven't waited until some of these scale scalability strategies come online. And the reason is not the reason I like this is not because like 
you know, people say, oh, he's an Ethereum maximalist, right? All he cares about is Ethereum. No, I care about decentralization, the ability to run your own node. Bitcoin preserves this, okay? Ethereum preserves this. There are few, if any other networks that are focused on security and decentralization right now. I love Solana as an execution layer. Fantastic for a roll-up. Avalanche too. Hell, they can all come to the party. They can all play. They can all be execution layers and roll-ups. But let's not sacrifice the only thing that makes crypto great, which is its decentralization, its security, its self-sovereignty. That is why we're here in the industry. And um, yeah, I think it's massively underrated right now. And people will wake up a year from now, two years from now. That's how long it took for ETH the asset to be publicly recognized. And they'll realize that this is the case that, oh, well, back in 2021, when everyone was saying ETH is not scalable and ETH is dead and other, some other you know, chain is far more scalable, they actually had the best scalability strategy the entire time. That's my prediction. Right. And the reason why it's not here yet is because when you don't cut corners, it actually takes longer to get there. Uh, I think one thing that Paul and I said, and the reason why this uh, weekly rollup is the blockchain modularity rollup, because uh, Paul and I's writing has just recently uh, come onto the scene, at least for you and me, Ryan. Other uh, Anthony, people like Anthony Susano have tapped into this a little bit earlier. Um, but like he, uh, they just make it really, really accessible and understandable. So definitely recommend reading his blog post if you want to get into the details about why we're so excited about this. I think the big point that listeners should understand, and I'll do my best to explain it here. You're going to need to read his own writing to understand why it's true, is that when you optimize for decentralization and you put decentralization first under a roll-up paradigm, that the more decentralized you get actually scales with how scalable you can get, right? And so you typically, previously, when you optimized for decentralization, you, also, you actually reduced scale, that's the, the, those are uh, the same spectrum. You can either have scale or you can have- That was the trilemma. That was a trilemma. Now, with under a blockchain uh, roll-up paradigm, the more decentralized you get, the more uh, the, the better your, your uh, node architecture is and how many nodes there are, gives a roll-up stronger assurances as to their settlements. And so you actually are able to increase throughput on layer twos by adding decentralization at the layer one. So more decentralization, more scale, which is a completely like paradigm shift with how scale should be thought of. And anyone that thinks that you scale a blockchain by scaling at the L1 should understand that sacrificing decentralization at the L1 sacrifices the ability to have layer twos. And layer twos are where you go from, you know, going from like 45 transactions per second to 100 million transactions per second. That can, 100 million transactions per second can only ever happen at a database layer, a, no, a one of one nodes, or on layer twos. And the, the way that it happens on layer twos is if the main chain is maximized for decentralization, you actually get the bajillion transactions per second without sacrificing decentralization. This is the way blockchains are scaling. This is Technology that's independent and agnostic of political alignment is this rollups are not an Ethereum technology. Like I said earlier in the show, Tezos is also uh, going by the same roadmap because developers have come to this logical conclusion as this is how a blockchain should work. Uh, and so that is why we are excited about this. Tezos, uh, near two, you know, near a number two, of yeah. them have discarded the monolithic blockchain um, strategy. And I, I think that's what it is for us. Like, bottom line is, long-term games, right? Long -term I think games. this is the long-term game and the short-term game are these monolithic blockchains right now. All right, David, on less serious matters, 
We got all serious for a moment, okay? Meme of the week. What's the meme of the week this week? Let me display it. This is, uh, why don't you uh, tell our listeners what we're looking at here? Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite comics. Is, uh, it's the, the, the format has been changed, but it's uh, two stick figures. One is in a therapy chair. The other one is the therapist, and the therapist is writing some notes. And the guy laying down on the chair uh, says, I just don't see any value in JPEGs. And then you see the therapist scribbling some notes. Uh, and then in the second panel, you see that the notes being scribbled are not going to make it. <laughs> It's fatal. All right, we got two memes Pretty of the week, deadly. though. Yeah. This is a meme of the week that is uh, very much a part of the theme today. Mm, yeah, we earlier talked about how Alt uh, the Altair uh, hard fork is coming for the beacon chain to prepare for the merge. So we have a black bear and a polar bear, black and white, ETH1, ETH2, changing the names from execution layer to consensus layer, tip of the hat to modular blockchains. And when these two bears touch fingertips in the way that they are, they come together to be a panda bear, which is Ethereum, a black and white bear. Uh, yeah, cool. Also cute. Ethereum, the panda meme. Will, will the panda replace the unicorn? I don't know. Uh, to be, I don't, I don't to think be so. seen. Unicorns are replaceable. Look, Here, this dude has the meme on the shirt. Yeah, Ben um, from Teku, I believe. He's the product behind Teku. I hope that's right. Uh, actually has this as a shirt. That is awesome. All right, guys, uh, that has been the weekly roll-up. Of course, none of this has been financial advice. ETH is risky. Bitcoin is risky. So is DeFi. You could definitely lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot.